we will get started. I have a countdown of a hundred, like an hour and 40 minutes. So after an hour and 40 minutes, then not a luck. So no, I just noticed that for, for the recording. Well, good morning. Um, thank you all for coming to the evangelism class. Today what we get to do is we are going to talk about the why of evangelism. So we're really kind of hitting a lot of times what we do is we start with that, but we intentionally wanted you guys to be thinking about the why as we talked about the what, um, just for a better discussion here. I don't know how far I'll get. Um, I'm hoping to get the whole... Um, the bit, this big chunk here done, we'll probably have to bleed over to next week as well. Um, but we are going to dive into that, why we evangelize um, in personal evangelism. So as we always want to do is we want to pray here this morning. We want God to change our hearts to give us understanding about the why of evangelism. And uh, if a few of you would like to pray to start us off, I'd always like to shoot for like three people. Three, three's the complete number, right? So it's also seven. So <laughs> um, would uh, have some volunteers to pray and, and it could just be one sentence. That's completely fine too. So Allow okay to come in. You are. <laughs> I thought we need Yeah, we need people to, we're, we're asking for volunteers to pray. You want to start us off? Sure. Oh, right. We got one. We need two more. Alan, two. Is the third person like to pray? All right. Let's do it. Okay, we'll go in that order. And then we're just going to be praying about just, we want God to change our hearts here um, and bring understanding through his word, through the why of evangelism. So. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you once again for us to be able to come together and to learn to grow deeper into the gospel and to learn more how to share it with other people, Father. We ask you for the strength and the courage to reach out to the ones that are lost, that need to know who you are, to show them that you are our true Savior, our only Savior, Lord. We ask that you just give us this endurance, Lord, to live in a world that is not in the best nature right now. Always let us be able to walk that walk of faith in you. You are the one that came here and gave us the gift of salvation, Lord, through your grace. The Lord by that. And paid a debt that we could not pay for any. So I say let us be confident in sharing that with you. Ask you this all in Jesus ever so holy name. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we do come to you and we want to know. We want you to help us to know when we should be saying things to people and why we should be saying it to people. So that we do know that it's certain things that never work. We As we go through our days in the week, we come and we don't know how much time we have left, but it is coming to an end eventually. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you'll be with us and, and teach us the things that you want us to know. In Jesus' name. Father God, we know that there are a number, a great number of people out there who are going through life, and they are 
We know not totally ignorant. We know um, because of your word that no one is without excuse. But Lord, some have some have not heard the gospel, and um, some have heard the gospel but deny the truth of it. Um, Lord, we know that we can love because you first loved us, and we know what love is that you laid down your life for us, and and that is something that we should, Lord, desire each day to others about and I'm just as guilty as anyone else of, of not having days where I feel that way as <clears throat> I days where I don't feel that way Lord but I do pray you would soften our hearts to see others as eternal souls that that will live in eternal in, in eternity whether that is in your presence or apart from you forever and we pray God that you would help lay that weight on our hearts and urge us into action and but to do it in a way that's loving in a way that's um, just honoring to you Lord we just pray all these things in your name Amen. So um, remember that um, you know the equipping class is um, there you can bas basically come and listen and learn um, and grow from that, and that's great. If you do want to take this class for credit, um, there's a few homework assignments. It's not very intensive, um, but if you want to take it for credit, um, so then after you've taken all the equipping classes, you'll get a certificate. That's something that um, it would be helpful to you to help focus um, and just kind of reinforce what we teach. We do um, do homework assignments. So if you want to do that, um, you can um, email me here at that at that uh, my email um, for there. And um, so the first homework assignment was um, um, when we did what is the gospel, and it was um, if you just I want you to just present the gospel, just what it is. Um, so if you want to do that, um, and you can do that, we can. We're going to have another um, homework assignment at the end if you guys want to do that. So there's only two so far. So if you are if you haven't started and you want to, this is a great opportunity to get into it as we start ramping up for that. So that's just a plug there. Um, so why do we do evangelism? Ask that question for you. What do you think? What are the? There's a bunch of reasons, right? So why do we do evangelism? Command. Command, good. Commanded. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. We love others. Um, we don't uh, uh, doom to hell, so we want to love them. Excellent reason. Well, to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The what? To share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to others. Yeah, so I put that up. Here. Yeah. Yeah, so um, give hope, right? Yeah. Give hope. Excellent. Good thing to add. I don't know where this would fit, Kyle, but I think of uh, also with that hope, I think of God's peace that we can have 
in him through him. I don't know where, that, where you put that there, but um, the peace, the, the peace that we have through Jesus Christ, because of knowing him, that we want to share that with others. Okay. I don't know how that fits in there, Kyle, but there's, I think, a hope and peace, at least in my. So, like, you want to give hope and peace to others? Yeah, I mean, or you know that when we have, by having Christ in our heart in our life, we have a His peace. We have a perfect peace, not the that the world gives. We can have His peace. Okay. And I think of of how chaotic life can be, and how things can hit us. You were at the suffering conference this past week. The things that can hit us. You know, any okay. moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we want to give hope and peace to others. That's good. I, so, um, I think that's what I think that's probably put that there. But that's a good question. Well, I guess the big thing that I think of all the time is to share the gift that was given to us with others. I mean, okay. It does fall into loving others, but it's kind of more yeah. dramatic is to be appreciative. What Jesus gave to us, okay. and be willing to give it forward to somebody else. You're probably talking about glorifying God. Yes. I can't spell glorifying God. Okay. Um. So, to my wife's shame, I cannot spell. So, um, the uh, yeah. So glorifying God is just like giving that to giving that um, because God did that for me. I want to do that for others. So. Um, we want to make God's name known, right? So that's good. So we can also say even like it, with glorifying God, because we love God, right? God did this for me, um, so we love others. So we can add that in there. So that's kind of a little bit element in there. Any others? So we're called to imitate Christ, and Christ spent several years. Okay. So, yeah, Christ's example. That's good. Good. Okay, let's turn to Matthew. Can somebody turn to, well, we'll all turn there. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Can somebody read Matthew twenty-two thirty-four to forty? Just start reading it whenever somebody so desires. Jesus heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, "Teacher, which is a great commandment in the law?" And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So somewhere in there, loving God, loving others, you can kind of sum this up. So it's commanded, right? So we need to love God, love others. Kind of, kind of gets into some of the why, um, and we're going to be hitting a lot of scripture today. Um, so, get.
get ready. So First John 4, 19, I'm trying to think there's no other way of, of hitting this topic unless we jump around from Scripture to Scripture. So um, so somebody turn to First John 4, 19. Somebody read that. We love because he first loved us. Okay. So he loved us first so we can love, right? So say that verse again first, Justin. We love because he first loved us. Okay, so if you can keep your finger there, and then let's jump to John. John 13, 34. And then read 35 as well. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you, love, if you have love for one another. Okay. So if we put these together, how can we say those two verses? 1 John 4.19 and then John 13.34 through 35. If we had to sum those up, what would we say? We're going to do some analytical analysis here because they're kind of related, right? So, it's all because love. Love? It's love for us and therefore we respond with love. To yeah. Them. And then we respond to love. So, so love is the key, right? So we have to remember love is the key here in God's commandments. So I want you to remember that. And then what does it say in 35? Read that again for me. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay. So how do we? How will people know, and how does the world know that we are God's disciples? If we love one another. If we love one another. So John 17 talks about uh, unity, um, and if we're united together, that's in the high priestly prayer. Uh, prayer. If we are united so, and the only way to be united is in love, right? So, so if we love one another and we're united by that, the world will know that Jesus Christ was sent. Okay? So the key in this is loving. So we have to love God, love others. Okay? So I will um, erase this here. And to remember, love is key here. So you have to stick with me here, um, and we're, I'm going to read this quote here, okay? And this is another concept. So we're going to take that concept and another concept I'm going to teach, and we're going to put together, okay? So this is a, a quote from John Piper. Um, it's a book. Um, I really commend this book to you, Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. Um, if anything, just read the first chapter. I think we even have it in our library. Just read the first chapter, and then you can just put it back in the in the, <laughs> in, the uh, in the resource area there. But the first chapter is excellent. So in here, he talks about missions. This is specific for missions. Um, we can, for this purposes, do personal evangelism. Now, missions is not evangelism. Um, in every case, we know the mission of the church is to share the gospel with others, right? 
but missions, if missions isn't necessarily um, evangelism. So I wouldn't say, I would probably quibble with somebody. Some, some people will say the backyard is your um, mission field. Um, if everything is missions, then what is missions? So I would say, I'm going down a little rabbit trail as an aside. If, um, if missions was, um, if every, like I said, if everything is missions, then nothing is missions. So I would say missions is going where the church isn't. Okay, but personal evangelism is sharing the gospel with something that doesn't have the gospel. Okay, so this quote here is about missions. So the mission of the church is sharing the gospel. So we can use this context here with personal evangelism. So missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Okay, worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. So when we think of that quote, what it is is we're thinking rightly of, okay, what God wants is worship, okay? He doesn't want missions. He wants worship. Missions is the meth means to worship. Okay, so we have to understand what the ultimate goal is here. So when, um, and so when we dive into that um, and we understand what the ultimate goal is, we can understand that worship is therefore the fuel and the goal of missions or evangelism. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. Worship is therefore the fuel and the goal of our evangelism. Okay, so I want to dive that dive into that more. So we'll put the next one. Worship is the fuel and goal. Okay, of missions. So I'm going to put these two together. Okay, so if you guys have any questions, I'm going to try not to go down rabbit trails, but I want to just really go and discuss this and go real slow through this. I'll start with this. Who knows the Westminster Catechism, the first one, what is man's chief end? Or what is the purpose of man? You guys ever heard that? Mm -hmm. What is it? To glorify God. Yeah, glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. What is God's chief end? What is the purpose of God? And you're like, okay, I never thought about that. Huh? Glorify himself. Yeah. God's chief end is to glorify God. Okay? So we don't really think about that, um, but we know in Colossians, only Jesus is worthy to receive honor and glory. Revelation, Jesus was the lamb that was slaughtered. He created the world and he redeemed the world. He alone is to receive honor and glory. So what we always think of, we think in our man-centered ways of giving honor and praise, we're like, well, you shouldn't praise and honor yourself, right? And we're like, let others praise and honor you. And so it's weird when we think of, well, God can praise and honor himself. 
but what it actually is is we need to rightly exalt ourselves and rightly think of ourselves. That's humility, is to rightly think of ourselves. So God is humble even though he is glorifying himself because he is rightly thinking of himself. Okay? So an example would be a bride at a wedding. Okay? Nobody at a wedding goes and says, look at that bride. She thinks she's so great. She's wearing a, that dress and she's strutting around thinking, look, and everybody's honoring her. And no, she's the most important person at the wedding, right? She's not thinking anything inappropriately. President of the United States came to um, and sat in this class. You guys don't want to hear from me. Who do you want to hear from? And it would be completely appropriate if I let the President of the United States, I was like, hey, man, <laughs> I want you to talk. He's the one. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't be, it's like, no, I, you know, I want to hear from you, Kyle. And it's like, he wouldn't say that, or even though that would be a false sense of humility there. So we have to rightly exalt ourselves. And, okay. And Kyle, going back to your first part of love in those verses, you know, in those Matthew verses, they were looking for themselves to be exalted. Uh, the, the leaders, the rabbis. Yeah. yeah. You know, they certainly were not humble. Yeah. They were looking because, you know, that was a test. That, you know, what is there, 600-something commands at the Jewish law? And they wanted it, they wanted Christ to respond by, oh, hey, rabbi, well, you've come up with these great laws, man. You guys are so great. You know, they, they were looking for praise. So your point is well taken, you know, that humility was certainly not on their mind no. that day. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and so so this is why we have like in third John, uh, in the third book of John, uh, verse seven, and so we have that on the go wall. Um, that, um, and it says, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So when missionaries are going out to share the good news of the gospel, they're not going out for themselves. They're not going out for the sake of the lost. Who are they going out for? For God. They're going out for the sake of the name. Okay? And so you're going to see, see that a lot. So <clears throat> I'm going to read a whole bunch of Bible verses for you guys. And if it's boring, it's not my fault. <laughs> so... And just to kind of get you a sense of how pervasive this is in Scripture, okay? So Psalm 106, 7 through 8. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works, but were rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Romans 9, 17. For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Exodus 14, 4, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Ezekiel 20, 14, I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations, in whose sight I have brought them out. Who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth, whom God went to redeem his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things. 1 Samuel 12, 20, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. Okay? So 
John 17, 18, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. John 5, 44, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So, so what we have, and there's, if you, like I said, if you pick up this book, there's a whole lot more that you can read. So it just is all pervasive, New Testament, Old Testament, all pervasive that God does things for the sake of his names. So we're going to dive into Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. And this is probably the strongest worded one. And we're going to discuss this one. So Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. Can somebody read that? For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Okay. So what are you guys thinking about what I, do you guys have any questions about what I am saying? Did I lose anybody? What do you think Isaiah 48 is saying? I think that, um, you know, when we use that word worship, um, I think we probably tend to gravitate towards what we do over here during when we're singing. Hmm. Um, and Really, you know, First John, one of the things that it says is, is that if we love him, we will obey him. And that's a test of knowing him is whether or not you are obedient. You know, if you say, um, let's see, I, I just had it here, but I'm not sure. I, if we say we love him, but we don't keep his commandments, then we're a liar. Yeah. So really the ultimate form of worship is obedience. And so, you know, I... I guess I kind of look at this whole, not just the subject of evangelism, but the subject or the whole of the Christian life is uh, our response to God's love is our worship, which is our obedience of him. And that obedience includes the commands that he's given us. And one of those commands is to uh, share our faith. Yeah. So we, we um, so I would agree with you, but I would say one distinction can you appear to obey God, but yet be sinning in that obedience to God? Well, I think in the context of First John, uh, the yeah. you know he's looking at somebody's heart and saying, you know whether or not you're yeah. obeying. So that's you know? the key is you're looking at the heart. So a lot of times what we do is um, we'll look at the disciplines <clears throat> of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So like reading the Bible, going to church, doing evangelism. But if your heart is far from any of those, it is not worship. Right. So what we do is we look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Out of those comes the disciplines. Um, disciplines are important. They're good. I'm not, um, um, I'm not um, 
ripping them by any means, but you can, we can sometimes look at those as fruit and forget the motives that are understanding in there. So I think we agree on that, but I just wanted to make that distinction, if that makes sense. Alan? I mean, when you read 9, 10, and 11, this is God speaking. It's not just Isaiah. Isaiah is telling what God's saying. Uh-huh, exactly. And it's looking at it from his point of view. Good point. So this is God speaking for this, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. So this is scripture for the sake of my praise. I restrain it for you. So he's deferring his anger for his own sake. Um, and 11 for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. My glory, I will not give to another. So you know that uh, that first few words here for my name's sake, I will defer my anger. You know when I read that, I think of God's mercy. And in this context, in this chapter, I'm thinking that Israel certainly didn't deserve His mercy. Yeah. And when I think about that, I don't deserve His mercy, but God gives it. And I guess to take that a step farther, Kyle. I'm thinking. You know, we do missions to worship our Lord, but we also do it, or we should do it, because we want to share his mercy with another. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, because that makes God's name great. Right. It glorifies him. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not about us. Exactly. It's about him. Yeah. So what I like about these verses, it really hammers and destroys the man-centered way of thinking that we can have when we do evangelism. We're not doing it out of guilt. We're not doing it um, because we need to save people um, and get them to heaven um, for their own sake. We're doing this primarily for God's sake, okay? So uh, we can turn to Romans 1. If you want to, I can read this here. Romans 1, 18. I'm going to read that here. And so we can look at this as this is what unbelievers do. So God's doing everything for his sake. But what do unbelievers do? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been have clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and the things have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Because, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. Okay, so the world takes um, the gloriousness of God and what He has done. He has created this world and He has redeemed this world. <clears throat> he has rejected it and built up idols. And so when we think of idols, we think of the little statues and stuff that people bow down to, like in India. But we also know that covetousness is idolatry, okay? So, it's very, so any idol that we put, that we build up, 
and that could be our children, we can make that an idol. We can make our comfort an idol. We can make our suffering an idol. We can make our job an idol. So anything that we put that doesn't take that in there. So in the context of evangelism, how can we make that an idol? Prestige, maybe we can go out and buy a missionary. Yeah, the wrong reason, right? Look at what I'm going to do for God. <laughs> it's like I think that um, because we, I'll, I'll speak. I'll, I'll say it me because I, because I'm talking about. But I think everybody, it's, it's sort of the heart of sin. Like pride is this the heart of a lot of sins if you think about it. I guess. But so depending on the the stage of our evangelism, we we could just be doing it for our for our own glory for people to see us. You know, maybe we're doing street evangelism, and we have a we have a we have a speaker and a microphone, and, and we're 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 preaching the word of God, but we're doing it so that people see us and that they they oh he's mm -hmm. very eloquent and he's well spoken and 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 that would be in my mind an idol. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we certainly should be doing it for our own glory. Well, I, it kind of piggybacks on what we yeah. said. Okay. What are some others? I think sometimes the, uh, maybe this might be a stretch, but I think sometimes the prosperity gospel uh, people or speakers uh, do it for their own glory than for themselves, or than for God. <laughs> uh, read Causey Henney's book about his Uncle Benny. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, our, our own son Jonathan stayed in Benny's house in California for several weeks. And Jonathan would be the first one to tell you that it was all about Benny in that house. It wasn't about, you know, glorifying God. Yeah. Yeah. So another, yeah. So going off with that, it's like, yeah, so it's just, we can glorify ourselves and what we can get out of that. So we know in um, Philippians, people were going out for the, going out to share the gospel to make money. As a bad motive. <laughs> but Paul was thankful that the gospel was still being preached, right? So, but bad motive. When it's just a check mark, like we do it just because we're commanded to do it and there's no love, we don't have a motive of love behind that. Like I think you said on the board, mission is not the ultimate goal, but missions in our mind could become the ultimate goal where <coughs> we, we have to do missions because. We need to check that box off yeah. um, and not keeping in mind the ultimate goal is to. Yeah. So God will love me. I'm going to do this. Or God will bless me. Yeah, I'm going it, to do it's, this. It's, um, <clears throat> it's not living in. It's, 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 I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of, but it's, it's trying to live under the law completely yeah. and, and just checking off all my boxes. And, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. And that, that was, that, that's the uh, really the point of Christ's question back there in Matthew, like you just started with. You know, the rabbis were looking for, well, look how great we are. We've come up with all these commands and laws. Yeah. Christ hits them right back and says, hey, you know, huh. you know, love your neighbor, love your God, love your neighbor. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, uh, 
and you know, you even go, I'm sorry, I'm going to take you back to that Isaiah passage because I think there's one in there, Kyle, where it says, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake, going back to what you said, or for my own sake, <laughs> I will do it. You know, again, disobedient Israel, you know, uh, they didn't think they deserved that suffering or that, sorry to play on that word there, Ben, from yesterday, but the point is, you know, they felt like, oh, look at us, you know, we we should honor ourselves, you know, we should, we want your glory, God. No, yeah. I'm going to refine you to make me more like you. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes back to that name's sake. What is yeah. that about? My, for your name's sake, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just getting back to what's what's the purpose of God? Glorify himself. Glorify himself. So we have to we have to understand that. So we would all, if we were at a wedding and there was a person in there like insulting the bride and like saying terrible things about the bride, uh, demeaning the bride, what would happen to us? What would we do? We would be, and it would be, Ben said, we would be angry. What would we do? What has, has that ever happened before? The, the closest I've ever gotten in a wedding was, it was a, um, it was the worst best man speech in the history of best man speeches. We, I wanted to go up there and say, you need to sit down. He was insulting the um, the bride's parents, the groom terribly, even the bride a little bit. It was terrible. And we were like, I wanted to leave. And it was awful. And I didn't know. I, I kind of knew some of the people there, but not too well. But it was terrible. So anyways, <laughs> what would you do if you had a person in there giving a speech insulting the bride? Come to their defense. Right? Yeah. You're like, that's not true. Yeah. Right? Tell them lies. They have a little poster with a picture of the bride and has horns on it. I don't know. I'm just... Just saying horns on it and drawn ugly, it's stupid. I'm I'm trying I'm being I'm trying to think that through. What is happening there? But speaking that truth in love, and that person doesn't know yeah. right. Doesn't really even in the metaphorically term doesn't know Christ. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, it doesn't know anything. So Yeah, in that in that um, wedding situation that we have, the bride should be honored, and that's the proper role of us is to honor the bride positionally. Okay, um, we, nobody's perfect, so that's where the analogy kind of breaks down. But in evangelism, what we need to do is God is not being honored in this world. You have a neighbor that is not honoring God. That is an insult to God. He created that person in his own image and is not giving the honor that is properly due them. Okay? So that should bring some zeal in us. Um, that should bring some indignation. Now we need to, as Scott says, we need to not beat them over the head. And people can do that. You could take a baseball bat to them in evangelism. So we need to rightly temper that 
and show love because love is what shows that Jesus Christ is sent, not hate. So if our passion for God is weak, our zeal for God will be weak. And so will our zeal for evangelism and making his name great. So if our passion um, for God is weak, our zeal and our worship will be weak. Okay? Worship is the fuel and the goal of missions. Okay? So that's what we want. Love is the key in that. Okay? God loved us first so that we can love. And then when we love, the world knows that Jesus Christ was sent. Okay? So we're going to finish up. Um, and in Psalm 67, does anybody have any questions about that? Well, you know, when you think about the, the wedding that you up <clears throat> as an example, Kyle, um, you know, uh, Jesus Christ's first miracle in John 2. Mm-hmm. You know, who was the one that was going to be embarrassed there? Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly Jesus' mother came and said, hey, you know, they're out of wine. What, you know, you better do something here. <laughs> you know, and what's his response? You know, what am I or who, you know, I mean, basically, but who, you know, you're talking about the, the, the bride in your analogy or your example was to be, you know, what do we go to a wedding for? We go to see that, that bride and the beauty of her and the beauty of that wedding, mm-hmm. you know, who, uh, you know, if something happens, like you said, the best man gave a terrible speech, but yeah. my point is, you know, there's an, you know, when something happens, there's an embarrassment there. There's something yeah. to, and I'm only bringing that back to that John 2 passage because who was embarrassed there? Who was, was yeah. it Jesus' mother? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, was it the bride herself? I mean, the bride didn't come to Jesus and say that. It's his mother. You know, that's my only point is uh, the embarrassment of that wedding would have been in that Jewish culture that, hey, they're out of wine. Yeah, I mean, that's a... We have yeah. Jesus here, you know. He can do anything, right? Uh-huh. But... So, yeah, good. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. No, it's like, and so um, weddings, so we know that marriage is Christ and the church, right? So that's the reason why they exist. And we know from Ephesians, weddings are a strong example of, of Christ and the church and what we should do. So there's a lot of parallels there. Um, and the bride being adorned, um, the church being adorned and reflects the glory of God um, is, is just a wonderful picture. So we're going to finish up in Psalm 67. I'm going to read this. This is a great psalm. So I want you to look at the worship in this, okay? The worship in this psalm of all nations and all people, okay? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all the nations. So this is Old Testament psalms. Okay, you're like, is this a psalm written in the New Testament? I don't know. So let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So tell me about that psalm. What do you like about it? What's jumping out at you as we apply it to personal evangelism? It's all about the Lord. Yeah, exactly. So 
You can, you can throw that in there. It's for God's sake, right? For God's glory in there. That's the focus there. Okay, verse 3. May the peoples <clears throat> praise you, O God, and all the peoples praise you. So it's not turning to, you know, wow, thank you, thank you, Kyle, for coming and talking to me. You know, yes, that's an important part of the connection. But it's like, thank you, God, for, you know, allowing us to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. <laughs> You know, even that first line, God be merciful to us and bless mm-hmm. us. I mean, you know, you go back to that mercy that we brought up earlier. You know, it's just mm-hmm. his mercy that, again, I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. You know, but he gives it so freely to us. And the, the point of the blessing is, is, is not for our sake. It's pointing back to connecting it to some of the other verses we read the point of God's blessing is so that the other peoples of the nations the other nations and the peoples of those nations will praise God it's yeah. for his sake and yeah. we, we we benefit from that but it's not for us it's, it is for God yeah. so God wants every nation every tribe every people to praise his name that's what's going to happen. It's been prophesied, right? It's going to happen. Um, and we're part of the means for that to happen. More people praising God, the better it is because that's right. So in a wedding, we want 100% of the people at that wedding to be praising God. Um, in the, as far as that, or, or praising the bride, of course, to keep that analogy going. So if we pursue a man's good, so man's good, it's like, oh, well, they'll get to go to heaven. So if that's the purpose of evangelism rather than God's glory, so man will not be served well in that motive, okay? So... Um, I'm not talking about lowering the desire to save people. We need to have that love for others, okay? So we need to love. Love is key. We need to love others and know they're going to hell. But there's a greater motive. We need to magnify God more. And then that will drive us. That's the fuel and the goal is to glorify God. So if our purpose is just to save others from their sins, we're going to run out of fuel. But if we magnify God and the greater we understand the glory of God, the more we will be driven. um, And the more we love God, the more we will love others. And then that will be um, a much better end. So when when I like this quote, when worship burns hot for God's worth, the world will notice. Okay. So when when worship burns hot for God's worth, the world will notice. Okay. So I crammed a lot in there. This is we were talking very high level thinking. Um, next week won't be this high level, so you can all like ah. Oh. 
So, um, but I really want to hit just really thinking rightly about God's glory. <clears throat> and then that will set the tone for everything that we do, because we're going to start, I think next week we're going to probably spend a little bit more time in the why of the methods. It's like, why does God want us to share the good news of the gospel? Why did God ordain that method? Um, Cause he could just do whatever he wants. Right. I mean, he can make it like, Oh, if you, um, to be saved, you have to go to this spot and jump in the water and then you're saved. So why did he want us to share the good news of the gospel with our words? And so we'll probably talk a little bit about that. Then we want to get into right motives and preparing our hearts. And uh, then we'll get into the methods um, as this as the class goes on. So for the assignment, if you guys want to do that um, for credit, the assignment is to um, tell me what just a, a brief paragraph of what man-centered evangelism is, looks like, and then tell me what God-centered evangelism looks like. Just, uh, just like a paragraph comparing and contrasting. So very easy, but what it does is it takes and helps us solidify and think that through as you write it into words. Um, it's just a helpful, but not necessary. Any questions? I do have like a couple of minutes. Um, you guys can always ask questions next week too, or email me any questions too. Be happy to do that. I have a question. It, it might seem kind of ridiculous. I'm not sure, but maybe somebody could shed some light. When I'm praying to the Lord, sometimes I'm focusing on Jesus and sometimes I'm focusing on the Lord. And in fact, I even say in my prayers, I'll mention Jesus or the Lord. Uh, I don't know. What a, who are we supposed to folk, uh, focus on? Okay. Yeah. So, so the Lord, um, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the tetragrammaton. That's a, I don't know, $65 word, um, which means Yahweh. Um, and that means the Godhead or, or the Lord, your God. Um, and that usually means that there's also God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. There's examples of prayers to generally people pray to the father. Um, but there are examples in scriptures of praying to the son. And I don't know, does anybody know of examples of praying to the Holy spirit? But there, it's mostly to the Father, and that's the example Jesus gave us. Um, but you can, yeah. But there, yeah, there are examples of. I do know there's a few examples of actually praying to Jesus or the the second one in the Trinity. Um, but yeah, but yeah, you can pray to the Lord. You can pray to. Um, I guess the Lord's prayer does say, "Our Father." Our Father, heaven, so. and that's usually what is most of it, because that was Jesus' example. But good question, because I have that question, too. It's like, should I pray to Jesus? Should I pray to the Holy Spirit? And then, I don't know, I think you could, like, the, the Holy Spirit is in you. And you're like, I think it's viable to pray. Um, you could pray to the Father. Um, you could pray to the Holy Spirit. He's in you. It's like, hey, Spirit, bear your fruit in me. But he's, the Holy Spirit is a person, and it is the Godhead, so <laughs> you can pray to him. But I just don't know of any examples of the Holy Spirit. I think in Wayne Groom's uh, theology, 
speaks to that. I think he does give maybe some examples of the Spirit. He does? Okay. He definitely does with Jesus. Okay. So read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, <laughs> and uh, it'll be in there. <laughs> it's like the, bo the book is this uh, about six inches thick. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. You know, um, and this is the battle for me daily, um, maybe for you as well. And, and the, the terminology, it's not a biblical terminology, but uh, I don't know if it's from Paul Tripp or Ron Brown, I'm not sure, but it talks about we can be glory junkies. And uh, we like glory. Hmm. We like our own glory, and uh, and and it's called pride or whatever you want. But uh, I I can really identify day to day, moment by moment, when I'm is my motivation to glorify God or just to glorify Scott. And uh, it just gets me centered a little bit because I know where I can go. So. And, uh, I, I deal with sports, and it's all. Well, I shouldn't say all. Oh, there's there's some God glorifying people in the sports world, but uh, sports is in, in this secular world is just it's about self glorifying. Mm -hmm. Look at me. And, uh, I think that's why God uses sports in Christians' lives to shape um, off that yeah. self glorifying stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. In biblical counseling, we it has a wonderful phrase: "We do what we do because we want what we want because we worship what we worship." So we do what we do because we want what we want because we worship what we worship. So when what it, when is sin sin? Sin is when we um, we will sin. When is a when is a desire sinful? I should say. When is a desire sinful? Is when we when we sin in order to get it. So, or we sin in order to avoid it. So, but those are good. So, glory of God is preeminent and key, and loving God, loving others. So let's pray and we'll close. Father, we're thankful for your glory uh, is how it's been made known throughout the whole world. And Lord, we're sad to know that there are those that are made in your image that aren't worshiping you. What a travesty is that they have uh, become futile in their thinking and they reject your glory, Lord. And, and we know you're a jealous God and you des alone deserve the glory, Lord. Help us to make your name known great in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kyle.